Jesus, we are available to you this morning. We're available to you again this day. We commit ourselves, we surrender ourselves to you, to your will for our lives this day, this year. Even in the uh, midst of expectation, letdown, we are still surrendering to you, to your will and to your ways in our life. And so we say, Lord, today we're available to you to hear from you. So Holy Spirit, as we uh, look into the word, would you pierce our hearts? Would you speak to us today in such a personal way? I pray for great conviction to take place this morning. I pray as we look into your word, as we listen to you, that spirit, great surrender would take place today. We commit our time to you in your name. Everybody said? Everybody said? Amen. Well, happy Tuesday. Good morning. Good to see all of you. How's your day been so far? Okay, usually when someone asks a question on like the vocal up pitch, it's like welcomed response. How's your day been so far? Good, great. Okay, so uh, we are continuing on in our what series? Okay, all right. Some of you are starting to get it. I like to have this conversation back and forth a bit when I preach. It's way easier uh, to stand up here in front of a bunch of people and be a bit more comfortable and know that you're engaged, uh, especially now because um, so many of you are down like this. I am too and taking notes and whatnot, and it's good. So I like some vocal expression back uh, when we're doing this together. You with me? Okay, great. Awesome. Okay, so our prayer covenant series, uh, we would normally have been going through, uh, and today we would have landed on dependence and talking about the Holy Spirit, but we are throwing a curveball at you this week, okay? Uh, And so we are actually skipping a week and going down to influence is our prayer theme for this week. Uh, And what we're doing is next week in community groups, we will talk about dependence. We will talk about the Holy Spirit in our last week of community groups for the semester, okay? Wow, we're, we're on like the home stretch here soon. We're like, this is gonna freak some of you out. We're like four weeks left of regular class and that's it, eh? Like we're, we're, it's running fast, I know, it's wild. Okay, so influence in our prayer this week is make me an instrument of your grace, truth, forgiveness, righteousness, and justice. That's this week's prayer, this week's focus. And our theme for it is Influence. I'm going to read out of John chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. This is the Apostle John quoting John the Baptist. So there's some confusion in which John is talking here. So John the Apostle is writing about John the Baptist and what John the Baptist said, okay? So here it says in John 3, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Like I said, our theme for this week is influence. And unfortunately, the word influence for me has a bad taste initially in my mouth as of late this year. Uh, And I, I think Influence is important because when you take the look at leadership, the concept of leadership, when it's boiled down to its purest form, it's just influence, that we influence the decision somebody has or, or character in which that we are hoping to see develop in our lives and someone else's life. There's, leadership is essentially influence. We influence people on future life decisions uh, and as simple as like what blizzard that they're going to eat at Dairy Queen because you say, hey, this is a blizzard I like. And someone's like, oh, I'm going to try that. You've essentially just influenced them. 
But the word influence, unfortunately, today has a bit of a bad taste in my mouth because I believe it's been hijacked. It's been hijacked by the word influencer. Have you heard the word influencer before? Yeah, okay. So I don't like that word. And I think influencer has stolen the meaning of influence and has twisted it a little bit. So um, have you, uh, on Instagram, do you follow the Instagram account uh, Influencers in the Wild? Ever heard of it? Okay, wow, nobody on Monday did either. I should take it out of my sermon because nobody knows of it, apparently. Yeah, you have? You're just being kind. I don't trust you. Uh, so influence in the wild, it's essentially people who are filming influencers wherever they're at. And it's like, it's just, they're awkward and weird and funny. And this influence is in the wild, just making fun of influencers. And so I get a little chuckle out of it here and there. Uh, but it's been catching on this word influencer. Like even companies and organizations are using it in their advertisements. Like even with our like uh, flu season, have you seen the signs that says be an influencer? And they have like the word flu capitalized in it, right? Uh, and so this word influencer. And again, it's got this negative effect towards me. Uh, and so the difference between influence and influencer is this. Influence, the definition of influence, is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, and behavior of someone. So that's influence. Influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with their audience. You see the difference there, right? Like capacity to have effect on character and development and behavior on someone, or someone who has the power to affect purchasing decisions because of their authority, knowledge, or position. And so at the very least this morning, my hope, my hope is that we can walk out of this building together at the end of our service knowing a little bit more, okay, what the concept of influence is according to Scripture, according to the Bible, according to Jesus, and less about what our culture says it truly is. Are you with me? Yeah, okay, all right, we're getting that response back a little bit better. So, make me an influencer of your grace, I mean instrument of your grace, truth, forgiveness, righteousness, and justice. So five virtues that we're going to look at in this prayer. I have lumped them together for the sake of time. The first two is grace and truth. By the law of Moses, or under the law, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace and truth changed everything. It's a gift that God gave. Jesus Christ, who is fully grace and who is fully truth, came and changed everything. I love reading through the scriptures, reading through the gospels, and seeing Oh, man, the amount of people that loved to follow Jesus, yet Jesus never shied away from telling the truth, telling them who they were, how sinful that they were, but full of grace and full of love, they were still drawn towards him. Um, I, Kim and I, we've talked much about the, the series, The Chosen, Tanisha. We talked about it last week as well. Man, I love the pictures that we get to actually physically see in that series of people just longing to be near Jesus and with Jesus, even though they knew the truth about them, their identity and what the world had said and the sin that they lived in, and they were still drawn to him because of his grace. So grace is God's unmerited favor, undeserved mercy, and abundant blessing. Do you know that Paul uses the word grace nearly a hundred times in all of his letters? Grace, we have been saved by grace. We have been justified by grace. We live under grace rather than law. 
We have spiritual gifts because of grace. I love Warfield's definition. He says, grace is free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. Free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. And as born-again believers, we are collectors of this grace, right? We receive it, we collect it, but we also are ones to be contributing of it to others as well. But why is it harder to give away grace than it is to receive grace? Is it for you in your life? Is it harder to give away grace than it is to receive grace? I don't think it's harder. I don't actually think the difference between giving and accepting should be any different because I believe our lack of grace giving is in direct response to our lack of grace understanding. And I think if it's hard for us to give grace, it's because it's been hard for us to receive, to understand what grace truly really is. If you understand grace given to yourself, the free sovereign favor granted to the undeserving you, we will be absolutely be giving it away as quick as we would be understanding it. Grace and truth, and, and Jesus stands in total contradiction to untruth. Like it is his character, it is his nature, it is the very being of who he is. He's that perfect balance of 100% grace and 100% truth, and he has called us to this as well. Yes, that we are sinful, that we are undeserving, but we are loved and accepted fully. And because of that, we've received it. Now we get to be instruments of and give it away to other people. Make me an instrument of your grace and truth. I also want to talk about forgiveness righteousness, and justice. And did you know in scripture, all of these, forgiveness, righteousness, and justice are blessings. They're blessings that we have received and blessings that we get to give to our world. Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. Matthew 5, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And in Psalm 106, blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. But forgiveness, forgiveness is tough to give sometimes, right? Like when we've been hurt, there's real hurt, there's real pain, but forgiveness is tough to give away. Is it harder to give forgiveness than it is to receive forgiveness? Or is this the same question about grace? Maybe our ability to forgive is based on our understanding and ability to receive forgiveness as well. Sounds a bit familiar. And it may be hard to forgive, but it hurts way more not to forgive. Like it, it hurts, and it, it only hurts the person who's unable, right? Who is unwilling to forgive. They're the one who hold on to that pain. They're the ones who hold on to that, that lasting just, ugh, gross feeling inside that we wish, oh man, we just want to get them back for, for what they did to me. And so we withhold the forgiveness, but essentially what that's doing is actually just hurting ourselves that much more. And as unforgiveness brings hurt, I believe forgiveness brings healing. So we practice this in our home. I got two little boys at home 
Uh, and their response to when they're hurt is hitting. That's how they respond. That's what kids respond, right? Uh, they hit back. They'll do something. They get angry. They'll grit their teeth, and they'll swing a punch is what they do. And they're boys. And so I let them go almost to the point of breaking because uh, I want it, I believe that'll develop their character in some capacity. Also, I think it's humorous. Uh, and so I let them go all the way to that point of breaking. And then I say, okay, okay, time to break it up. But sometimes I don't get there in time and they hit each other or they say something. And the worst is you are not my friend anymore is the worst thing that you could possibly say to a three-year-old or to a six-year-old, right? Uh, and so <clears throat> our boys, they wrestle all the time and I love it. I encourage it, but it does get to that breaking point. And so we need to teach them how to apologize, how to say sorry, and how to forgive. Because in our society, in our world, often what happens when someone says, oh, I'm sorry, like they've done something and they've hurt you. And so they in turn apologize and they say, I'm sorry. What is our natural response usually at that time? Uh, it's okay. Right? That's what we say. Oh, it's okay. When in reality, what took place isn't okay which is why they're asking for forgiveness. Now, once we give the forgiveness, we for, not forget it, but it becomes to this thing that it's not gonna be something that we hold on to anymore. But what we've been teaching our boys is they cannot say, oh, it's okay. They have to say the words, thank you, I forgive you. Thank you, I forgive you. And they're young enough and little enough that we make them hug still, and it's the cutest thing. And I'm gonna keep that going as long as I can until they're like these like awkward teenagers and they're gonna be like, ah, and have to hug one another. Uh, so that's how we do it at home. <laughs> we have to learn this skill set of forgiveness, both of asking for forgiveness and accepting forgiveness as well, okay? I should say asking and giving it away. <clears throat> students, pastors, like leaders, people, wherever profession you're going to go into uh, in your future, this is an area that you are needing to develop a skill set in because you will make mistakes. You have shortcomings. I have shortcomings. You have shortcomings. And so we need to be okay with asking for forgiveness, saying sorry, and then saying, I forgive you. We're to live and lead by example. Same thing with righteousness and justice. We are to live and to lead by example. I read the scripture verse, Psalm 106. Blessed are they who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. Another translation says, there is joy for those who deal justly with others and always do what is right. Do you think of the word joy and blessing with the words righteousness and justice? Like it's a joy and a blessing to live righteously and to observe justice always. And see, my conviction that I have with society in today, in specifically the word justice, is I believe they too, just like the word influence, have twisted it a little bit, has reshaped it to its biblical understanding of justice. See, biblical justice is taking care of those who are in need, who are unable to stand up for themselves and are in need of support and care. And so we step in on behalf of them. That is justice. It's extremely important in our Christian worship. And cultural justice, I believe, has taken that plus adding an extra swing at the end of it. And that's where I'm concerned. I'm concerned that our church is taking on this adoption kind of, of justice as well that our world and society is speaking and screaming today. That we stand up, but then we take a swing and try to knock the other one down. 
And I'm just not for that. I don't believe that's 100% grace and 100% truth. And my hope is that through this prayer, our influence, our giving of grace, our giving of forgiveness, and our acts of justice would be shaped by the culture of heaven and not the culture of earth. And so my prayer is that you would have influence in this world, that you would have great influence, that you wouldn't be an influencer, but that you would have great influence in your world. Remember those definitions of influence and influencer, right? Influence is the capacity to have an effect on character, behavior, or influencer is someone who has the power because of their authority and their reputation. And we're in this prayer that we are to be an instrument of, that's where I look at it, right? An instrument has the capacity to make noise, but it needs an artist or someone who has power to create the noise from that instrument. That's the kind of influence that we are to have, to be that instrument where we have the capacity, but we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be the one that brings it, not based on our own authority, not based on our own judgments, not based on our own reputation, but by the authority and power of the Spirit, that you too would be an instrument of his power as he works through you. And so I opened up with that passage out of John. John the Baptist explaining that he is not the Messiah. And he gives this wonderful picture of being a part of a wedding where the groom comes to retrieve his bride. And this, of course, is Jesus and the church in the picture that's being described here. And John the Baptist in this situation is like the best man, right? Is the friend to the groom. And what the reality was in the situation and why John the Baptist said this is because he had a bunch of disciples. He had a bunch of followers too, who followed his ways. And when Jesus came on the scene and John the Baptist is saying, here's the way to the Messiah, make way for him. His disciples were like, hold on a second. I, I want to follow you. I don't want to follow Jesus. I don't want to follow the one who came from heaven. I'm already satisfied with who you are. And John's like, hold on a second. I am not the Messiah Okay? It's not about John. It's not about John's impact or his reputation or his influence or his justice or his cause. It's all about Jesus. And he says that I get to be, we get to be like the best man in the wedding. Whereas the groom comes for their bride as Jesus came to this earth, we now with great joy get to celebrate his cause, the kingdom cause, the kingdom influence, the kingdom grace, truth, forgiveness righteousness, and justice. And John says, the joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. That's our prayer. That God, you would make me an instrument of your grace, not my definition. Your truth, not my world's definition. Your forgiveness, not my world's definition. Your righteousness, not my world's. And your justice not mine, that he would become greater and that we would become less. Let me pray for you. Jesus, it is with great joy to know that you are full of grace and full of truth, that you and your love and your act of, of surrender and sacrifice has brought about forgiveness, has brought about redemption, has brought about the ability to even live righteously, has brought about the ability to even live uh, observing justice and caring for those who are in need. Lord, that's our story. We are in need. 
And you came and stood on behalf of our sins and our faults and our shortcomings. And because of that, Lord, we want to be that instrument. We want to have that kind of influence in our world around us so that we too can care for those who are in need of your help, of your aid, and of your love. So Spirit, we want to be your instrument that you would use us. Thank you for the gifts that you give. It is by your grace. And we submit and we say, take all of us that I'm available for you to do whatever you're calling me to do. I pray, Lord, would you empower every person in this room to administer your grace and your truth, forgiveness, righteousness, and justice to their worlds, to their areas of influence, that they would make a great impact for your kingdom and your kingdom only. We pray this in your name. And everybody said, amen. That was the best amen of the day. And on that, uh, that's the end of our chapel service. You guys are dismissed. Have a great Tuesday. Thanks for coming.